and welcome to episode three of That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. So a quick public service announcement. Being a horse girl is a state of mind. You don't have to be a girl to be a horse girl. (laughs) We're saying this because we've had quite a few... Well, we've had like one person. (laughs) No, we've had more. A couple boys saying, oh, can I listen to it because I'm not a girl. Yeah, and they are horse girls because if they want to listen, that means they're a horse girl. Yeah. So it's a state of mind. It's not a gender. Yeah, we all have that in a horse girl, whether you're a girl, woman, boy, man. Whatever age, whatever gender, whatever height, whatever weight. You're a horse girl. It's a state of mind. If you're a horse, welcome. <laughs> How are you listening to this right now? <laughs> no. Who let you out the stable? <laughs> so, Miss Evelina, what's been lame and sound this week? Well, Miss Joanna, <laughs> my lame is that I took Terry out for his first outing of 2023. Nice. And it went terribly wrong. Oh. Yes. How terribly wrong is terribly wrong? Did you fall off? I didn't fall off. So on a scale of zero to falling off, (laughs) it was probably, I'd say, about midway. Oh. Were you close to falling off? No. Oh. Not this time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Adds a little bit of spice to it, doesn't it? Yeah, he just got quite excited. So basically, just to add a bit of context a long diagonal that we were meant to do in extended trot which is terry's like party piece yeah which is like best movement he's good at those um we did it in piaf oh all the way down well you can't say that he's not an overachiever then yeah, he freestyled it <laughs> he thought we were doing a freestyle apparently yeah um, so yeah so that wasn't terribly good and if i'm honest i find it really difficult it shows to get a bad score like that and not make it reflect like my own self-worth yeah. So I was a bit sort of down about it, you know, because you put yeah. so much effort and so much time into it and whatnot. Um, but luckily I had another show booked for like four days later. Yeah. Same level, advanced medium. And that went really well. So that's my sound. Hey. Yeah. So actually my advice would be that if you've got, if you've done really badly at a show, it's almost good to book another one straight away because it forces you to sort of back out there. Yeah. You know, because like... Get ahead in the game. Yeah, and now I'm sort of like, oh, you know, that was just a bad day, but... um, I would say that you learned that your mental stability doesn't need to be defined by one score and one test. that's true. Because we had this little conversation the other day where I said, if my older sister and I had given up after every time we had a bad competition, we would not be here any longer. (laughs) The thing is, like, and I know that, and if other people had a bad show... That would be my mindset for them. It's so hard to like... Apply it to yourself. That's yeah. what I find difficult. Because yeah. I know that and I can tell myself that, but it still doesn't change how I feel about it. 100%. You can recover from it. Yeah. And the fact as well that it was such close proximity, the two shows, yeah. like literally four days. If things go wrong, you've got to chuck it in the effort bucket yeah. and move on. Yeah. Pick up your skirts, carry on. Your skirts. <laughs> I don't know what you're wearing at shows. (laughs) So Joanna, tell us what your lame and sound has been this week. 
what's been lame is that I didn't receive as many Valentine's Day presents as I thought I should. How many did you think you should get? Um, like a whole truckload full. Oh. Yeah, just like just like the florist, just like the local florist is empties. I think the local florist completely out had a flat tire on the day of Valentine's Day. Like, I right, think... no, once. I'm not even joking, once that <laughs> happened. <laughs> no. no, once. Okay. Someone's having you on there. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know, but it was bad and it's really stuck in my memory. And it really wasn't the guy's fault. It was Valentine's Day and he was at work and just nothing appeared. And I was like, really? Like, we'd been dating for like three years or something. And nothing appeared. And normally he was, like, really good at stuff like that. Like, you know, really big bouquets of flowers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Nothing appeared. And I, like, didn't say anything because I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, a conf- confrontational type person. So I just didn't say anything. I just got really upset. And, um, <laughs> just crying you, your own frows on it. <laughs> I was just, like, I was just really disappointed. Yeah. I think that evening he came round with some flowers. And he was like, I'm so sorry. I ordered you flowers, like a massive bouquet to be delivered. And they sent me a message at like five o'clock today saying that they didn't deliver them. Aww. And I was so disappointed. Yeah, but that's nice of you. But then they arrived the next day and then I had two bouquets of flowers. Lovely. So it made up for it. I don't think I've ever had a bouquet of flowers sent to me. Really? No. God, your ex-boyfriends are shit, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> so that's been your lame, that you didn't get sent enough flowers on Valentine's Day? No. It's just a bit of like it's just a bit of a shit day, really, isn't it? If you're single, mm. um, but it's all about Valentine's Day, though. It doesn't have the same ring to it, though. There isn't a Saint Valentine's, is there? Hey, what's been your sound? Um, that it's pancake day soon. I think, for the sake of this podcast and for the sake of me, I'm gonna give up chocolate for Lent. Why would you do that? Because. I want to. You don't have anything to prove. I do because I've done it once before and I felt really good because I was like, look at my self-control because I do have really good self-control mm. and I do think I eat too much chocolate. I think if I gave up chocolate, my body would go into a state of shock. I think do I'd think? be hospitalised or something. Yeah. Because oh. it's like a little fix. I don't have loads, don't get me wrong, but no. I have a little bit every day. Yeah, so Just do to I. like pump me up. Like my barely saw chocolate. <laughs> I'm, I've left that in January, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Anything else other than pancake day? <laughs> what about... What, maybe something horse-related? Oh, Considering we're yes. doing a horse podcast, not um, a pancake podcast. <laughs> that would be such a niche Keep market. to the script. <laughs> <laughs> um, the horses have been really good, actually. Uh, Simba's going good, ready for regionals soon. That's about it. I don't really want to, like, curse it, though, so I'm just going to leave it open-ended. He's going good. Touch wood. I'm going to touch my He's head going good. it's made of wood. Full stop. He's going good, full stop. Sirocco's going good, full stop. I'm really enjoying Clarkson's Farm, season two. And I know you haven't watched it, but I think you should, because as a country girl, I feel like it's kind of obligatory. I know it is. And whenever I say to people, oh, no, I haven't really watched it, it's like... <gasps> You've done and what? you call yourself a country person. Now, funnily enough, I um, lived in the Cotswolds for a couple of months last year in the next village along from Clarkson's Farm, but I never found it. A friend of mine turned up and he's wearing a Diddley Squat t-shirt and I knew he was from around that area. And I was like, do you know them? Because they're from like Hook Norton, Chippy Norton. He starts laughing and I was like, what? He was like, 
Caleb's mum's my godmother. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, everyone knows everyone. everyone. It's actually ridiculous. And um, I went to California at the beginning of last year. And I'm sitting there in California watching the Cotswolds on the TV with them in the evenings because they loved it. They were like, oh, my God, this is like British farm. It's so cool. Is that what you guys are like? And I was like, oh, we're not all like Jeremy Clarkson. But yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I only seen one episode and it was the one where loads of he was digging for a lake or something. He wanted to create a pond or something like that. And loads of the machinery got stuck and then... That's every episode, basically. He just doesn't understand the machinery. That's the only one that I've watched. Yeah. It's it's cool though, isn't it? Because I feel like it's a big phenomenon now. Yeah. And it is very close to us. There's been a bit of backlash though, hasn't there, recently with... They're not doing another season, are they? Or or is that just fake news? Yeah, that's because of the stuff he said about Meghan Markle in The Sun. Oh, let's not get into that. Whilst we're on that, Meghan Markle... Oh, we're talking to you. (laughs) Jesus. I had someone send me a match request on Hinge today. I will read it out to you because, Christ almighty, this is what we have to deal with. Oh my God, get it up. It says... (laughs) So this is his first message. We haven't matched. She's just sent me a match request. And obviously my profile has photo supporters on it because I don't have any photos of myself really without a horse in it and also they need to know they need to know they need to know he says reading the prince harry young stallion spank my ass stuff must have been pure 50 shades of gray for a horse girl like you eyes emoji wait what read that out again Reading the Prince Harry Young Stallion Spank My Ass stuff must have been pure Fifty Shades of Grey for a horse girl like you. It's just... Is that about his book? His new book? Yeah, have you not seen? There's a bit in his book where Harry Prince Harry talks about um, the like losing his virginity. No way. About with uh, an older woman who rode horses and, like, took him out to the field and treated him like a young stallion, like, spanked him on the arse to, like, you know, put him back out to pasture. I mean, firstly, Harry, do you have an editor? Because why was that published? <laughs> it's quite a raunchy book, isn't it? I've heard some snippets about him talking about various other like things. Like, Todger, like, gets... <laughs> also, <laughs> Todger! <laughs> exactly, the fact that he uses that. But I was just wildly disturbed by that. I really was. Goodness um, me. Do you um, accept? <laughs> uh, yes, we're going on a date. Oh, tomorrow. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. Summer wedding on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dilemma one. Do I pursue a non-horsey career to afford full livery for my horse or sacrifice a non-horsey career and subsequently money and social life to commit to my full horsey ambitions. I think so many people are going to relate to this dilemma. Yeah. Also, I would like to say as well, I feel like the whole concept of money and finances is so not talked about within the industry when it's actually a huge part of it. Yeah, it's the backbone of the industry. Well, the equestrian industry, to some extent, well, to a lot of an extent, to be honest, is rooted in elitism. It is yeah. an expensive sport. It's not going to say that people that have a lot of money are just, you know, not working hard or anything. Of course they are. You have to be dedicated to do well, but it makes it a hell of a lot easier. If you have financial backing. Yeah. So I don't have the answer for this because I feel like there isn't a clear-cut answer. 
Um, I think it depends on the individual's context. Yeah. Because I would say part of it depends on your mindset. So for me, I had this very dilemma last year. Yeah. I was deciding, should I have a career to fund my horses or should my career be horses? I personally think that if you want to do something, you've just got to do it 100% and yeah. put 100% of your effort in. So that's why I sort of just went full throttle in at the deep end. Let's just do it. So that's just my mindset. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, I think a huge aspect of it is your support network. Yeah. So uh, to a large extent, the reason why I was able to make that decision is because I'm super fortunate in that my parents are so supportive and they're like, you can live with us yeah. under our roof. We'll feed you. Don't you don't have many outgoings other than terry do you no no i only pay terry for, and your I, car. I only pay for my horse and my car yeah whereas my parents pay for my living and my food whereas not everyone has parents that would be willing to do that yeah so i'd say this is a really difficult one to actually have an answer to because within horses i don't think there is ever a clear path no and there's never a yes or a no so i think it's about trying it you know we've got a friend who she works she worked abroad working for horses full-time post uni then she decided actually she was going to come back to the UK and pursue a job in the city which she's now doing and she's now like juggling between having horses and having the job in the city because she wants to try out both to see which one she wants to do which could be an amazing option to do but again she's very lucky in that she's got the backing to be able to keep our horses at home yeah so it is really difficult it depends on the individual's context I think look at your support network Mm -hmm. talk to them about it but also assess your own ambitions and goals in life so a big part of it for me was well what do I want from life if I want to be able to afford a big house a brand new car have lots of kids send them to private school I'm not going to be able to do that on an equest facilities for that. Not in a, in the horse industry. You're not going to be able to do that. So if that's like a, a priority for you mm-hmm. to have that financial security and to earn a lot of money, is for me that's it's a no. Then you'll be yeah. better doing a different job and having horses on the side. Yeah, there are pros and cons to both. You know, mm. you're gonna if you choose a non-horsey career to fund your horses you're not going to have the same amount of time with your horses. So you won't have the same no. amount of time to train. You'll only be able to do competition, say, on a weekend, or you'd have to book time off work to do it. Mm-hmm. Those are the negatives on that side. But on the flip side of that, if you have a different career to fund your horses, you're probably going to have a lot more money at your disposal yeah. to put into your horses and also to have quite a comfortable life. And if you work a nine-to-five job... You'll also definitely have weekends off. Yeah. You'll have like a very clear structure to your day, to your week, to your month. More work-life balance. Hugely different. Yeah. So in summary, I would just think, what is it that you want to achieve in life? What is it that you want to get out of life? Talk to your support network. Are you financially able to do it? And also potentially just think, maybe I should give it a go. And if it goes wrong, I can always change what I'm doing. Yeah. And there's no shame in that either, because I know a lot of people feel guilt about leaving the equestrian industry. Yeah. To go and pursue something else. 
Yeah, you can change it. You can go back and forth as many times as... You do you. Yeah, fully. Moving swiftly on to dilemma number two. So I liked this question. So someone wrote in and said, help, I've got a cold-backed horse that I'm looking to go competing with soon. Have you got any tips and tricks to combat this? Join the club, sister. (laughs) (laughs) We have a couple, don't we? We have got a couple on the yard. I think it's quite common, really, isn't it? Yeah. Having a cold-backed horse. I think it's one of those things where it's always existed, but before people just didn't necessarily know that it was cold-backed because it wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, and one terrible thing about the equestrian industry that we want to boycott is people just not being honest Mm. and open and upfront about the odd things that the horses do or that they have or any kind of like medical issue they have or anything. So we're going to boycott that. Yes. First and foremost. Secondly, first and foremost, cold-backed. If, if you're non-horsey... <laughs> I was about to say, we need to give a little definition. What does cold-backed mean? I've actually got a definition up right here. Wow. This is Wikipedia. <laughs> the term cold-backed is used to describe a horse displaying symptoms of a sensitive or painful back. Interesting. These symptoms can range from very mild, such as discomfort when the girth is tightened, to more serious, lasting until the horse is warmed up and the muscles are relaxed. It's quite a weird definition. That's quite a weird definition, yeah. It's quite hard to define though, isn't it? It is because, well, I agree with that in some spaces that it has different like levels to it. Definitely. Um, so, narrowing it down to if you're going to a competition. Yes. Something that we like to do is if you're going to a competition that's quite local, you can tack your horse up before you get there. So with a lot of cold-backed horses, you don't want to, you know, it's like when the saddle goes on and then when the rider goes on, that's normally when you've got your two big problems. Yeah. Um, So if you already have the saddle on the horse, you know, stick a cover over it, off you get in the lorry, you'll be fine. Mm. Um, Get to the show and your saddle is already on and it's already warm on the horse's back. So you've kind of halved your problem haven't you yeah because i would say as well that sometimes cold-backed horses can get a bit stressed with the initial putting the saddle on even at home yeah so if you take them away from home and try and put the saddle on there where they're going to be even more anxious because they're away from home then it creates a bit of an issue whereas i'd always prefer just to put the saddle on at home where they're a little bit more comfortable to avoid that sort of potential scenario from happening 100% I also find whenever I tack up a horse at a show I never do it very well it's a nightmare they're like running about I'm like running about as well everyone's a headless chicken like especially like putting the saddle on you're either having to do it in the lorry where there is quite frankly not enough room (laughs) so you're like sort of bending around all this apparatus trying to put the saddle on or you unload them and you're trying to get somebody to hold them in the lorry park and of course they're not going to stand because they're excited yeah so then you put it on and the girth's not done up and then they start yeah, walking yeah. off. And you're All like, the oh. worst one is if, we don't have grooms, but if our mothers <laughs> yeah. try and put the saddles on. And it, it's something that, it needs to be you that puts the saddle on, doesn't yeah. it? Because no one else does it quite how you like it. Yeah, so that's definitely tip number one. Travel them in the saddle if it's a local show. We do that. Another thing that we, that we could do is if even that doesn't help your horse, lunge your horse in your saddle before you leave. Yeah. Another good one. Because... 
uh, you know, we've had horses in the past that would rodeo when they have a saddle on. Get the rodeo. So you don't want that to happen in some dingy car park with a competition when you're all in your white outfit. Mm. Spectators, everything. You don't want that to happen. No, you're not going to a rodeo show. No. So London first. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Then I would say we should have backtracked at the beginning. We should have said. (laughs) Obviously, we're not qualified in anything. So, you know. This is all just from, like, experience, like, isn't it? Yeah. That we've just come across sort of incidentally. Yeah, don't take us for gospel. No. Obviously, if you've got a cold-backed horse and you don't know why said horse is cold-backed, get your vet out, get your physio. Oh, God, yeah, we should have mentioned that. Get the horse checked. Make sure you've got a saddle that actually fits correctly yeah definitely get the vet out because you want to rule out something like kissing spine or yeah you know things like that you want to get rid of stuff like that Mm. get rid of horses like that (laughs) (laughs) also what i'd say as well is even if you travel them in the saddle when you get to the showground walk them round in hand yeah you know for however long you've got i mean you should probably even factor that into your getting ready time giving about 10 minutes just to hand walk them. You can even trot them round, trot them round, put the stirrups down, trot them round so they get used to some movement on their sides with the saddle on. Another point, if you want to feel a little bit safer on said cold-backed horse, invest in a really, like, lightweight body protector or something that you can put underneath your show jacket just to give yourself, like, a little bit of peace of mind. Yeah, and there's so much stigma surrounding body protectors and I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, again, this is another debate but <laughs> if you want to wear a body protector if you feel more comfortable in a body protector wear one yeah what i would also say is i think turnout is crucial for cold backed horses yeah and i know that not everyone is lucky enough to be able to turn their horses out 24 7 so this is very dependent you know on the individual person but if you do have the opportunity to have your horse living out overnight or even 24 7 then i would do that if you've got a cold backed horse because they need to keep moving yeah. To keep their back supple. I'd also say don't stress. No. Uh, because that doesn't help anything. But also know, again, you're not alone. A lot of people have cold-backed horses. Oh, it's so common. And again, it's not spoken about. No. No, Break it's the not. Stigma. Break the stigma. And also what I would want to say is that it's not something to be scared of or worried about. It's just something you've got to learn to manage. And also as a partnership, as you get to know each other more, the horse becomes more confident with you. So going back to this scenario, it might be that your horse might be worse if it's the first time that you're going out because the horse hasn't gone out with you yet to a show. So it might take a few times to build up the confidence as a partnership. Or go out and do arena hire first. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Definitely. Anyway, that's our advice. Yeah. And good luck. It's <laughs> a bit ominous. See you on the other side. <laughs> Stay safe out there, soldier. <laughs> okay, guys, that is the end of episode three. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoy our podcast. And if you do, then please go over, like our page on Instagram and subscribe slash follow us on either spotify or apple or whatever platform it is that you listen to us on give us a cheeky rating give us a little review and share us yeah share i think that's the biggest one please share us (laughs) 
exploit us in the streets <laughs> does that sound desperate <laughs> please share us because i think it would be great just to spread the word out yeah you know we're gonna keep doing this so you guys keep <laughs> listening <laughs> is that a threat <laughs> it is a threat we're gonna keep doing this so you better share the love <laughs> we're gonna be blaring this off the speakers at showgrounds yeah why not yeah, we're going to hijack the commentary box. <laughs> Just get in there with that little music. It's actually not a bad that idea. That is a shower, actually. They cut, They wouldn't be that hard to get into, would no. they? No. They've got like security at those shows, do they? Ooh, good plan. Right, so we're going to go off and eat our dinner. And sit by the fire. Ooh, lovely. Stunning. Stunning. So anyway, love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.